2: whoever you are, wherever you were born, whatever your life situation, you were created in the image of God. You are His image bearer. We call that the Imago Dei. You have God's image on you. And Jesus was saying, you are in God's image. Good morning church. You can be seated if you haven't already done so. Take out your copy of God's Word or turn in your copy of God's Word or turn on your copy of God's Word however you have it before you to Romans chapter 13. That's where we're going to be in just a few moments as we continue the series, How to Change the World. When you came in today, You should have received one of these little cups. It has a piece of bread in it that will help you in the process of taking communion should you choose later in our service. If you still need one of these, there are some deacons that have those available around you. You can maybe just slip a hand up even now and they can make sure you get one of those. Do me a favor, those of you that gathered here on our central campus, will you help me welcome those who are joining us in worship at our Six Mile Ministry Center and on our Lake Carroll campus and those who are joining us online? We're grateful for technology and the ministry that God's given us in our church. Well, we are in Romans chapter 13, and when I came to today's passage in Romans realizing it would be Palm Sunday, I have to tell you it was a little concerning for me because I thought, man, this is going to be hard to deal with this topic on Palm Sunday because Palm Sunday has a specific focus, as does this passage. This passage talks about how we are citizens of God's kingdom and how we live out that as a citizen of the kingdom of earth. I begin to contemplate the reality of that. And I begin to think of people like my new friend, Sandra. She visited our church for the first time on January 1st. I'll never forget because she came rolling in with a suitcase. And uh, she's still here today. We're so grateful for Sandra. But Sandra was born in Panama, so she's a citizen of Panama. But she's also a citizen of the U.S., well, she's lived in New York for forty plus years, and then I think about others like my friend Wafa, and Wafa was born in Syria, so she's a citizen of of Syria, but. She's lived here for a good while now, and she's gone through the process, like so many in our international church, to become a citizen of this nation. So she's a citizen of the United States of America. And so because we're such a diverse and multicultural, multi church, there are people in our midst that are citizens of more than one country. But what we're going to see today is that all of us are citizens of two kingdoms. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But we're also citizens of a particular kingdom here on earth. This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims progressing through, as John Bunyan taught us in that great work. But as we journey on, our king has given us instructions as to how we live in this kingdom. So as I thought about that on Palm Sunday, fretting a little bit, I then remembered that Palm Sunday is all about the King, and and how the people around him were acknowledging God as King. And so, let me just read a, a few verses that describe that moment before we get to Romans. It's from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come. For the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they took palm branches. And so, probably even right now in our preschool, the preschoolers are gathering with palm branches, and they're hearing the story about Palm Sunday and what that is all about. And it comes from this passage and others like it. And they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Say that again, church. One more time. Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the what's the next word? King. Of Israel. Then Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it. As it's written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And then I noticed this verse. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. It was only after Jesus was glorified that they realized these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. See, Jesus constantly preached. The kingdom. Though we don't often talk about it that way today, that was his message. Mark chapter 1, at the very beginning of verse 15, it says, the time has come. He, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then we'll remember, particularly on Friday, when Jesus was on the cross, there was a sign that Pilate demanded be over his head, and it was written in three languages. Do you remember what the sign said? It said, King of the Jews. And in fact, at our house of prayer on Wednesday night, I read the passage from from John and reminded you that um, the Jewish leaders came to Pilate and they said, hey, can you change that and say, he said he was King of the Jews? Because we don't really believe he was King of the Jews. Pilate said, no, I've, I've written what I've written. You see, both the followers of Jesus and those who crucified him understood that he believed he was the king. but then and now people confuse what it means to be a part of the kingdom. Even after the resurrection of Christ, those that knew him best, the disciples gathered around Jesus, and, and this was just before he ascended into heaven, just before he was glorified. And this is what it says in Acts 1 verse six. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel?" In other words, all right, now that you've done everything you've done, are you going to do what we want you to do? Are you going to give us the kind of kingdom we want here? And I feel like that's a lot of how we live today, even as those of us who profess Christ followers. We're going to see even at the end of this message that we are created in God's image, and yet we live our life as if we've created God in our image. And, and really, what he does and, and how he lives should conform to what we want. And yet, that's not what this is about. And so, there's probably no better time than the day where Jesus went into Jerusalem and was held as king, and the people of God shouted, Hosanna, that, that we pause and think about what it means to be under his kingship while living in a temporary home. And the older I get, the more I want to make sure I get this right. And so I want to pray again. And if you're new to our church family and to to what we do here at Mission Hill, you may be thinking, you guys pray a lot. I'm so glad you noticed that. That really is a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA. And so while we sing, we pray. Around our songs, we pray. In the message, we pray. At the end, we pray. And, and, And we believe there's power in prayer because that's when we communicate with God so clearly. So would you join me once more in prayer? And, you know, you can have your eyes open or closed. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you something I, I occasionally do that I'm about to do, and, and you may want to do it too. Occasionally, I'll just, as I'm praying, I'll open my hands at some time just to say, God, I want to be filled with you and everything you've got in this moment. And then maybe I'll raise my hands and I'll pray, God, I, I, I want everything I do to praise you. And then, and then maybe I'll just stretch out my arms and say, God, I, I, I want to be surrendered to whatever you want as your will as a result of this time together. Now, if you're doing that with your eyes closed and you're seated by somebody else, please be careful uh, when you extend your arms because we're not dealing with the passage on lawsuits and we don't want any of those to take place as a result of this prayer time. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, give us what we need. Teach us what we need to learn. Make us new, God. As we continue and and man, we're gonna just be deep into Your Word, and I pray that whether or not it amounts to this in time, but in content and in context, Your words will take priority over anything I say because there's power in Your Word. And so, Lord, I, I thank You for a church that really. Places that authority in the scriptures, so Lord, in this moment, we do just ask you to just join us and meet us here, communing with us as we desire to hear from you and and Lord, we want to say again everything we do, even this time it's not about us, and it's not about a preacher on a stage it's it's about you jesus we want we want to know you more. And so, Lord, here we are, surrendered, and and we just ask that you would, um, you would have your way, as that old hymn says, "Have your own way in us, Lord. Have your own way." Lord, again, I just want to pray. Um, you know me, so thank you for grace, thank you for forgiveness, even as I cried out to you early this morning. So I pray that the words I say and my thoughts would be pleasing to you. And that the result of this, Father, I I pray would be twofold. God, I I pray that there would be many who, Lord, they are Christ followers, but they're not living submitted to you, the King. I, I pray that that would change today in the name of Jesus. But Lord, there are some who have never become followers of you. And I pray that that would change today as you call others to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for all of this. And I, and that too, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I, I want to remind you of the context before I start reading in Romans 13, because we've been in this journey literally for months in the book of Romans. Some would consider this the most important book in the Bible because so much of Romans, the first 11 chapters, deal with our salvation the book of soteriology, the the study of how we are saved, it it's that doctrine. It, it tells us things like the fact that we've all sinned and we've we've fallen short of God's mark, His glory, and and it, it tells us that the the punishment of sin is death. But there's also a gift that's available, and the gift of God is is life, and. And it tells us that God wants us to have the gift because it says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10 tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. So it, it tells us why we need salvation. It, it tells us um, what salvation is. Uh, it, it justifies us. It makes it just as if we've never sinned. And then it tells us even how to get salvation and that 's all about doctrine and all about our convictions, and then there 's a shift in Romans twelve and it b- begins to talk about our duties as those who follow christ and 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 that 's our lifestyle, how the convictions that we have result in a, a change in our life. The first part is kind of what 's indicative, what we know. Um, the, the second part is what's imperative, what God commands us to do, how we're supposed to live based on what we know. And, and that's when we learn that it's, it's, it's not simply what you know that makes a difference and helps you change the world. It's what you do with what you know. And, and Romans 13 is just a continuation of Romans 12 where it's talking about what we do specifically in the context of where we live because all of us are a citizen of somewhere. So listen to Romans 13 beginning in verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. Now, that's going to be really important. So I know we kind of come in and out, and we're used to like 30-second memes on the internet, and, and so I may lose some of you. So I want you just to hear the word of God from God again, just in a statement. For there is no authority "'Except that which God has established. "'The authorities that exist have been established by God. "'Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority "'is rebelling against what God has instituted. "'And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. "'For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, "'but for those who do wrong. "'Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? "'Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. "'For the one in authority is God's servant for your good.'" But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of a possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. Now, if we allowed you just to boo at any point during a message, I know you would be tempted to do that now, especially during this season. By the way, it's probably a good time for those of you that have not booed about paying taxes and you're looking forward to that refund. do remember the Lord's house when you get that refund. Okay, this is why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Wow. If revenue, then revenue. Mm. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And and this is the Word of God. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. we continue with our message. We, we live in a society that seems to have lost our understanding and respect for authority. R- really, in almost every facet, just ask a public school teacher. And it, it seems like the season that we've just come out of, the season that was rife with COVID and uh, electoral strife and and racial tension has just increased this parents struggle with authority teachers civil servants like even our law enforcement officials and and certainly our elected leaders so before we dive into this passage it's important that you understand this isn't the only time that scripture talks about this issue and 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 it has us to be mindful about those who are having authority over us. In fact, it's an early principle that's, that's taught in Scripture early in the Bible, and it really begins with the first place of authority. Do you know where the first place of authority is? That was not a rhetorical question. Do you know where the first place of authority is? What did, what did God institute before he instituted anything else? The family, the home. So that's why one of the Ten Commandments says this, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Think about that. It's the first command with a promise that we honor our parents. Kimberly and I are in a a very different season of life right now because uh, we would have never imagined this, but both of our dads who were always healthy (laughs) preceded both of our moms who've always been a little more sickly in death. And and so now, here in our city, we're we're caring for our moms, and um, and we feel it a privilege to honor them. Some of you remember, it was several months before he passed, but while my dad was suffering with a brain bleed and making no sense at all, and I was talking to him, and I was just uh, really just trying to love on him in the hospital. And at one moment, I just looked at him and said, "Oh, I love you, Dad," and he just turned and looked at me with that stern face and said. Love your mama. <laughs> and so I'm like, yes, sir. And and that's what we're doing. We're honoring our parents. But God told us to do that. And I would just remind you, because some of you, you may not have the relationships that we enjoy, and, and so it may be harder for you, but that doesn't take away the fact that this is from Scripture given to you. And by the way, parents. Um, that means God's given you authority. And one of the challenges in our society is that parents have abdicated authority. And one of the problems that school teachers have is that parents have abdicated authority. And um, I, I don't know what you are hear from other places, parents and grandparents, but you have that authority in the home because it's unlikely your children will prioritize the things that they've watched you marginalize. But there are other context in Scripture where it talks about authority. Let me give you those quickly. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. Paul says... I urge you then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is our good, this is good and it pleases our Savior. So when we pray for, when we give honor to, when we respect those in authority, God likes that. Why? Because it pleases him, but he also wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth and that's part of the way our testimony in doing that is that they do that. Titus chapter 3 verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be, excuse me, to slander no one. They didn't have this back then, but had they have it, 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 they may have put in the verse, to slander no one, in parentheses, whether with your mouth or on Facebook. To be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. 1 Peter 2, those were Paul, this is now Peter. Same kind of thing. Verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish for those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Just think about that. When we honor authority, God's word says that we help further the things that are right. It goes on to say, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What's the purpose of this? Why does God do this? For the application of Romans 12, I think we can see in Romans 13, he's applying some of those principles we've learned. Remember in Romans 12, when it says, remember, don't repay evil for evil, for vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. One of the things we know is that God has established government so that it may be the source to deal with that which is bad. Remember in Romans 12, when it says we need to do whatever thing is within us to live at peace with all people. One of the reasons God has established government is so that there can be peace in the world. I, I think Paul also wrote these things because he knew that Caesar would see these. If you think about, from the Roman standpoint, the very reason Jesus was crucified is because of a fear, from the Roman standpoint, a fear that his followers would try to take over the government. The Jews didn't like Jesus, so from their standpoint... He was being crucified because he was claiming to be king. But among those Jews were some who were called Zionist zealots. One of the followers of Jesus was even a zealot, Simon the Zealot. And they had an undisputed desire to try to take over the government. So Paul's writing this to, to help even the Caesar understand that's not what it means to be a Christ follower. Because we are citizens first and foremost of another kingdom. I want to just quickly give you three things about this passage of scripture and illustrate it as we go. Uh, Here they are. Number one, authority, even governmental authority, is a part of God's design. I want you to see that. Number two, obedience to authority is one of God's demands, it's not optional. And number three, as citizens of God's kingdom, how we respond to authority, it really should be different. So let's deal with that first one. Authority, even governmental authority, is a part of God's design. So look again at verse one. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority that which God has but which that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's a tough one for me. It's a tough one for me today in our country. It's a tough one for me as a student of history. But I don't think it's a it, it's near as tough for some of us as for some of my international friends who are part of our family that have come from countries that literally are persecuting Christians by taking their lives even today. It seems like in our country, people fall into one of two categories. Some are kind of undisputed patriots and, and what what the media might even try to call a Christian nationalist today. that Their, their focus, their primary energy and effort in life is... God bless America. And, and they they kind of look as if America is supreme, and we can do no wrong.
1: You've been listening to the Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to MissionHill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9 here on Faith Talk Tampa.